0: The love and fellowship of this group is amazing. You guys just amaze me all the time. You know, sometimes, you know, we have people that lock up after, after church. Sometimes they have to hang around for an hour and a half just so you guys will all go home. <laughs> because you guys love each other so much. That's a wonderful thing. That is a wonderful thing. Hey, one real quick thing I forgot, or we forgot. Um, this is normally our potluck Sunday because of the picnic yesterday. No potluck today. Bomber, but we did have a good time yesterday. Now, I need the kids, all the kids, young and young at heart. Come on up. How are you? Most of you we saw yesterday. Okay, back up a little. All right. So pretty much we all know. You, I know, were here yesterday. Um, what's his name again? Okay. There we go. So we got, a, we got a new one. What do you think? All right. What do you know that's real? A cup. Yeah, that's a cup. Uh, what's that right there? What time is it? It's not digital, I know. What do you got? This is old school time. What time is it? Yeah, that's real. Yeah, what else? What color is this table? Brown. And do you see it? Did you? Yeah. Okay, how do we know sometimes, how do you know those things are real? Because you've seen them, right? You've seen them. So you saw some things that were real. What am I putting on? Glasses. Glasses. You know why? Because I have a hard time seeing without them. Now, so seeing is really important. What do you see? At my house. Really? Wow. That's, so we know, sometimes we know things are real because we can see them clearly. I needed to put this on To see clearly. Can we see everything that's true? Really? Can we see, are there some things that are true that we can't see? Sure. Sure. There's lots of things that are true that we can't see, so we can't always rely on just what we see to be true. Now come on, stand a little bit closer, but don't get too close. Right there. Because this is going to take a lot of energy on my part. And I am tired from yesterday. Oh, am I tired. Okay. Now, do you think I can do stuff that would be magic? Maybe not. Okay. What do you think if I can make this quarter disappear and then reappear with two quarters? How many think I can do that? You got to watch real quick. Now, can you believe what you're seeing? Here we go. Here we go. What happened to it? You just moved it. I know. Here we go. Here we go. Wait. Now what happened to it? Huh? Ready? Oh, you ready? No. Oh, no. How did that happen? No, no. Want to see it again? Think I can make them both disappear? You want to see it again? See it again? Make them reappear. It needs a magic, cup. yeah. It's it's a how did that happen? That's an cup. Cup. It's an invisible cup. invisible cup. You want to try it one more time? One more time. Here we go. Ready? Ready? Watch careful. Watch careful. Oh my God! It's an invisible cup. The window just right here. Here. See? No coins. See, you, you can't always believe everything you see. Okay. So what I did, see, here's what I, here's what I did. I just covered them up, and it looks like they're gone, but they're really still there. That's right, because there was paper on the bottom of the cup. Now, my point here is we can't believe everything we see, can we? But here's what God says. There are things that are true, that I will show you through my Holy Spirit. So how do we know the things that are true from God's things? How do we know God's things are true? Where are they at? Where do we go to find them? In the Bible, right? So there's things in the Bible that God says are true that don't seem to be true when we look at them, like God is always there. Uh, Sometimes bad things happen and I don't think God is there. But how do we know the truth? Not necessarily what we see not necessarily what we feel, but what's, what's in the truth of God's word. I don't know. Okay, so where do we go to find out what's really true, even when we can't see it, when it, it pertains to God? Heaven. The Bible. Well, heaven will know. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, very good. You guys are downstairs now. And you're going to get another lesson. We are downstairs today, right? Okay. Very good. You can have that. Here. There you go. Uh Uh-oh, now I've started trouble. That's a lesson for us, too. Um. (laughs) Ha-ha. If I could only please you as as easy as giving you a quarter. I thought you asked no quarter you. That's right. True. So, you How many recognize the passage 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18? It's pretty easy. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Three simple, short, I I love those. I I love those. Those were one of my life verses for a long time. I would go right to those. Be joyful always. Pray without ceasing. And give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you think this is an odd title for that passage? What do you think? With whose eyes do you what whose eyes do you see and whose power will you live This is blowing around and get rid of it. All right. Because here's the deal. In order for you to have any hope whatsoever of having any of those things actually come To fruition in your life? You can't look at life the way you do. You can't look at life the way we are hardwired in our brokenness to look at life. Rejoice always. What are you kidding me? Rejoice always? Always? Pray without ceasing, like every second? Give thanks in all circumstances. God, are you joking? From a worldly standpoint, none of those things really make sense. And so you really have to look through the eyes of God at the reality of your situation in order for you to either understand what this is asking you to do or to accomplish it to any degree in your life. So we're going to look at those things. So verse 16, rejoice always. So that would be be joyful looking up the words in the Greek, at all times not being dependent on circumstances. So does that make sense? You understand what it's saying? Be joyful at all times independent of what's actually going on in your life. Be joyful even when the garbage disposal breaks and you have to fix it because your grandson stuffed his toys down inside. Be joyful when you come out to go to an appointment that you have and your left front tire is flat. Be joyful when you get news that someone dear to you just received a diagnosis of terminal cancer if we look at that from the worldly standpoint it's it's impossible pray continually meaning to make prayer to God without interruption throughout the day for all things including adoration, confession of your own sins, thanksgiving for all the things He's giving you, and asking for God to intervene on behalf of others. So that would be the acts. How many of you ever heard of the acts method? You know, adoration, uh, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And so it includes all of those areas. Why Are we there, and are we in a continual conversation with God throughout the day, taking Him every issue in our lives, no matter how small, Uh, Not necessarily that we're driving down the road, hopefully you're not, with your eyes closed praying to God, because that's not what it means. It means to have a constant conversation with God throughout the day about all things, including when things go well, or when you understand or see something that God deserves thanks for, or when somebody comes to your mind and, and you just say, oh man, I need to lift up that person in prayer. Whatever it is, it's it's a continual conversation with God throughout the day about all things and and not just things where you want somebody to have something. It's just sometimes, I I would say most of my prayers to God, if you were to give them numbers as far as how many times did you pray this, the number one is going to be, wow, yeah, thanks God, I I didn't really expect that to happen. Those kinds of things, you know, I'll, I'll pull up and... By golly, there's a parking place up front. Oh, thanks, God. That that was so cool. Why is that important? Does God really need thanks for a parking space? No. But if you have God in your mind and you are thinking that God is in control, either causing or allowing everything that happens, and that he loves you more than all, and that he has your best interests at heart, then he should be there at the forefront of your mind to talk to. He wants you to talk to him so you can get to know him better. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Express your gratitude to God in all things, the whole of it. Now, I got into a long conversation with a Christian many, many years ago uh, because I was adamant. God is not saying, be thankful for all things, just be thankful in spite of all things. I'm not sure I was right. I'm not sure I was right. As we're going to look at some of these things later, uh, what is the purpose of the bad things in your life? Do they have a purpose? Yes, they do. In fact, Scripture is really clear. We're going to look at that. We're going to say, why are these trials in my life, and why should I be thanking God For them. I just said, no, no, no. You, You just thank God in spite of them, but then I didn't know Scripture as well as I know it now. Because God does say that. He says, consider it pure joy, brothers, when you go through various trials. So we understand that God is saying, yes, you can thank me for all things. I am in control, and I love you desperately, and I have your best interest at heart. And I am bringing you through this for a purpose. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. Okay. And then it says, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's first choice. It really means that. This is God's first choice for you made available to you because of the work of Jesus Christ. And so God is saying, look, now these sounds like commands. In fact, that's kind of funny. Um, Paul writes this, and he drops these bombs on us. He doesn't explain or anything. He just goes on. It's like he's going through this, and he's bam, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all things. Hmm. Thanks a lot, Paul. But God is saying, no, no, these are things I want for you. This, these are, this is my will. This would be my first choice for your life made available to you because of the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's get real. Let's get real. How you doing? Is this you? Does this describe you? I mean, if, if, I, if people, were to, people who really knew you well <clears throat> were willing, without, your, without you being around, to come to you or come up here and say, um, let's see. We got three things here. Uh, I'm going to give him a two on the first one, uh, maybe a seven on the second one, and a five on the third one. What do you think? I can tell you I, I super stink on one of these. It's the first one. Okay, so I have a, I have a problem, and I talked to you before about that. You know, joy in my life, my life seems to have, have these really, really difficult stretches in them that go on, see, for a long time, and things pile up, one thing after another. And I have a very difficult time finding the joy that God intends for me to have. It's His will, His first choice for me. Okay, so I'm understanding it better now. I understand what it is He's saying, and I understand His promises in Scripture, um, so, so where is it, God? Why am I still lacking? I read this and I read other things in Scripture in uh, Matthew 5, where it says, love your enemies, pray for them, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. And then it says in 1 Peter 1, 16, be holy as I am holy, be holy as I am God holy. And then in Matthew five forty seven, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. How are you doing with that? You think God put those in there? I mean, these three and those maybe and some other ones, just to make you feel bad about yourself? Like, man, really, God? What, do you think I'm you? Now I just feel bad. I just... I've never in my life rejoiced always. I never always pray without ceasing, and I never always give thanks in all circumstances. I never do. And neither do you. So is this just here to make you feel bad about yourself? No. No, these are gifts from God. And I believe it's true. I believe he made these things available to us through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hey, we say, I don't know how many times I'm going to say it. There's only two things in life that matter. There are two things in life that matter. The first one is being reconciled back to God. We, everything about what we need comes from God. And we were separated from our, because of our sin from our birth, separated from God, and we need that relationship to be healed. First part was having the sins paid for, the Death sentence taken away so I can now be reconciled to God. Then God needs to change me, number two. He needs to change me back into the image of his son, which was the original design for which I was made. Okay. This is part of that. This is part of that, and he's made it available. Is it hard? I'm going to say it's impossible. I'm going to say it's impossible. Now. Now. It's impossible now. God is going to make it possible when he either comes again or you die. And you have rid yourself of the part of you that's still broken and always will be broken. And he makes you whole once again. That's the hope that we have. This will be a piece of cake. In fact, it will be mandatory. I'm going to give you joy. And you don't pray without ceasing. I'm going to give you thanks. You're going to be thankful for everything because everything will be good. There won't be anything bad for you to think about in the next phase of your life. But for now, here it is, and it's this, this is my will for you people. I have made this available to you. My first choice for you in your life is to have peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction. I built you for those things. How are you doing? So the first one, with whose eyes will you see? Rejoicing always requires that you see yourself and your life and your world through God's eyes and not your own how can I be rejoicing when there's so much evil? How can I rejoice in my life when there's so much pain? How can I rejoice when there's so much conflict? How can I rejoice when I am so broken? So instead of looking through the eyes of the world, so we look at and we call it a biblical worldview. How many of you have heard that term, biblical worldview? Um, it's an easy one to describe, and it basically just says this. The Christian is supposed to live his life through the view of the truth of God's word as described in Scripture instead of what seems to be true because we're broken. It's like the little magic trick. Worldview, secular humanism. How many of you have heard that one? Secular humanism. It's, it's starting to change. That was a big one. Uh, we're starting to see postmodernism worldview and now post postmodernism worldview. There's some elements of that, but basically it's all the same, kind of wrapped into the same package. There is no God. Humans are the center of the universe. No one's in control. It's survival of the fittest. You make your own way, you get what's yours at everyone else's expense. You only go around once, so get everything you can. Make it count. Make your own rules. Dominate others to get control of your own destiny. Seek pleasure. Avoid pain. Look out for number one. You can only really truly trust yourself because there's no one on the outside that's going to help you. And you can achieve everything you need in this light if you work hard enough. Now, we as Christians would say, I don't believe any of that nonsense. How do we live? Those messages are out there in every place you look, and they're constant, and the Christian has to remember to refocus his view of himself and the world and life through the truth of God's scripture and not the messages that we hear. There's no possible way you can rejoice always if you don't have that view, if you don't see yourself, your life, this world through God's eyes and not your own. Because in God's world, everything is worthy of rejoicing. How do I know that? I have to go back. Rejoice always. You know, I, I just this one God gave me about a year and a half ago now, and, and I have to keep going back to it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's that hope I was talking about. This is it, that that reconciliation with God. Blessed be God, who according to his mercy caused us to be born again into the hope of eternal relationship with God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept for you in heaven, nothing can take it away. You have this eternal hope, and nothing can remove it from you. Who by God's power, us, who by God's power are being guarded through a faith for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. And so God is guarding you and your faith, and he's keeping you in his hand, so that the the inheritance that he's already set aside for you is always going to be yours. In this, in this, in those things, you rejoice. Though for now, for a little while, if necessary, clearly necessary in my world, that you have been grieved by various trials. Now, does this mean that, oh, I just, you know, I got to just totally focus on the next life and forget this one? Because that's the only place I'm going to ever have joy and hope and peace. And No, that's not what it says. But, but if we are saying, I am going to see my life and my world through the lens of God's eyes, then I'm going to see the big picture all at once like God does, and I'm going to go to the promises of Scripture when I'm discouraged and when I don't understand why life is so confusing and so hard and so painful, and I'm going to say, yeah but the real story is this, and I see the end. He's given me the end. It's right here, and he's saying, look, for now it's hard, but this is what I've given you, and nothing can ever take that away. And no eye has seen, no ear heard, no mind can conceive of the wonderful things that God has prepared for those that love him. It's beyond our wildest imagination, and we have to go to that place when, when this life is so hard, and say, I can rejoice because this is true. I can rejoice because God is in control. I can rejoice because God does love me, no matter what. And, and even when I let him down, he is still faithful. I know that from Scripture. I can rejoice in the midst of trial because those other things are true, and I can go there at any time. Rejoicing always does not mean just put on a fake smile, and because I'm a Christian, everything is hunky dory and wonderful. Things are not hunky dory and wonderful. What God is saying is, in spite of that, you can rejoice because here's the end of your story. In this you rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. How do we go there? Why do, would we go there? If we're going to see ourselves as, well, you know, yeah, God's good, and, and, and I go to him when I'm really in trouble, and, and if things are really horrible, why would we pray without ceasing if we see it through our own eyes, if we see our life in the world through the eyes of the world and all of those messages, God is only really valuable when things are really horrible and I need him to pull me out of it. Well, if you're praying without ceasing because your life is constantly in turmoil, I'm sorry, I hope it isn't, but that's not what this is saying. So the only way this makes any sense for us is to say, why would I pray without ceasing? Because I know from Scripture that God is in control, that God loves me, and that I can take anything to him, and that that's where I need to go, that I can't rely on myself, that I can't rely on my own actions to save me or help me or make me grow or change me, that everything in my life deserves to be taken to God. If we look at ourselves any other way, this is not going to make sense, and you have no chance at achieving it. The only way you do anything, here's the, here's the truth. Nobody does anything that they don't want. Everybody does what they want. Think about it. You say, well, well um, maybe if they drag you away forcibly, you know, put you in jail, maybe I didn't want that. But all of us make the decisions that we, when at some point you're evaluating and you're saying, well, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this, and maybe it's just I want to I want uh take care of some pleasure thing that I have, so I'm going to make that choice. We all do what we want. And the only way you're going to want to pray unceasingly is if you believe that God is there, that he loves you, that he wants you to talk to him, and that he answers your prayers, either yes, no, or wait. And that that is the only solution to take everything in your world to God. Unless you actually believe all those things and see through God's eyes, you will never pray without ceasing because you'll just say, what's the point? Why should I? My life's going pretty good. Why should I pray to God? We have to see through God's eyes, not our own, or we're never going to take it all to him in prayer. Give thanks in all circumstances another one. This one requires that we trust that God's plan and His ways and His causing things and allowing things is perfect. It's for us, and in the long term, it's for our good. And how do we know that? From the truth of Scripture. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose, Romans 8.28. And so if you don't see your life like that, if you don't say, God, I don't understand it, God, it's painful, God, I don't like it, but here's the deal, God, I trust you. I trust you because your word is telling me that you're working all things together, even the bad things, for my good. And then we go to the the, the one in James chapter 1, I think it's verses three three through seven. Uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds for the testing of your faith produces perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you can be complete and mature, lacking in nothing. How can I give thanks for God's in the bad times? even for the bad times, because I can go to that verse, and I can go to this verse, and from the truth of Scripture, which I don't usually see on my own, in my own feelings, in my own mind most of the time, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm hurt, I'm in pain, and looking through my eyes, I say anything but giving thanks. But God's Word says no. You can consider it pure joy and be thankful for the trial, not just in the trial, if you truly believe in the truth of Scripture that says, I am using this trial to perfect you and make you complete, which is really what you want. You don't know it yet, but that's what you want. You, because that's where true peace and joy and satisfaction live when I complete you. Now, I'm never going to complete you completely totally in this life but that is God's working in our life and so can I give thanks for bad things that happen sure but I have to see it through God's eyes through the truth of his word because everything in my body in my soul is telling me resist be angry strike out lash out be be mad at God when instead God has said, this is my first choice for you, giving thanks in all circumstances. You will find peace there, Tim. Just thank me for it. Ah, No, I'm angry. Just thank me for it, Tim. Think about it. Think about what I've given you. Think about where you're going when this one's all over. Think about... you know, the fact that I'm always there with you. Recognize that I come alongside those that have a broken heart. Recognize that I, I, I that I've made available to you my Holy Spirit to, to come and comfort you. I call in the comforter, says Jesus. You can be thankful. There are things in there to be thankful for. Will you just see them through my eyes, Tim? Will you just see your life the way I see it? Will you just see yourself the way I see you? Broken, but with hope. Because I'm in you, and I'm working in you. Well, then we go to the next one. By whose power will you live? So the first one is, how do I understand? Whose eyes will you see? How can I really understand these things you're telling me to do, these three things you're telling me to do, along with be holy and love my enemies and be perfect? I understand it. If I, if I look at it in your, with your eyes, God, I can understand what you're trying to do here. But actually getting it done... Actually getting it done. How, how, would you actually like to be closer to rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, and giving thanks in all circumstances? How, how about it? Okay. I got some good news and I got some bad news. That ain't ever going to be you. It ain't ever, ever going to be you. Because you and your flesh will never do those three things. Never. How do I know that? What I, so so that, was, that was the bad news. The good, the good news is this God says, I've, I've given you my Holy Spirit, and I am relentless. Now, you have to understand who you are. You're broken. And in your flesh, you're always going to want to do what you want. And guess what? I can dull the voice of your flesh, but it's never completely going away. But I say this. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another and keep you from doing the things you want to do. God, I want to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Hmm, well, here's what God says. Uh, in your flesh, never happen. Don't th- here, you know, We talked about this yesterday a little bit. This is what happens to me. I got saved, got the Holy Spirit, I'm reading the Bible, God's working in my life over a very long period of time, and I start to look back and say, yeah, I see some progress. I'm not quite the jerk I used to be. There are some things in my life that God has actually fixed. Yeah, I've been a Christian a long time. I can do this, God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. But that's our tendency as Christians. We get a little bit of maturity. God has actually done some things in us and changed some of the things taken and and muted the voice of the flesh that's always there. And so I'm starting to respond in the spirit. And then I think, wow, I'm pretty mature. And then God says, well, hmm, how do we drive this point home? Well, let's see. There's one in there that says, if I bring him trials then he will become more mature and complete. So when I send a trial, that'll be a pretty much an indication to him that he's not really there yet. And God's done that. When Tim gets a little bit arrogant and thinks he can do this and fix himself in his life because he's already been given a bunch of help by God, and then God just says, well, let me see, how do I inform him that he's not really there yet? Okay, let's try this trial. Walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. So, so God gives us, I think it's in here still. He says, look, I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you, and you, you think this is now. Just again, I am going to put my Holy Spirit in you. You are not going to become my Holy Spirit. I am not putting him in there so that somehow you become God through the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna, here's your life. And, and now you used to be a slave to your own selfish desires. That was slavery. You could not say no. I mean, you could kind of, some, some sort of self-control. You could, I don't want to do that. I get negative results socially and so, or I get this, or and in the end it doesn't make me happy. So I'm going to try real hard, self-control, uh, you know, really good effort here. I can probably make a little bit of progress, but it never lasts. That's, that's you in the flesh. That's me in the flesh. God says no. I'm going to break the chains. No longer are you a slave. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in there. And here's what happens. Here's what he brings. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When stuff comes up, you can respond in the Tim Henley way. Or I'm going to now give you the ability to respond in the spirit way. And I say, okay, spirit, here's what I really want to do. There's some really, uh, that hurt a lot, some bad words. I'd like to say these bad words. Um, God, I need your your Holy Spirit. Well, let's see. I have self-control. Oh, imagine that. I would like you to respond for me, Holy Spirit. Okay. So walking in the Spirit means surrendering the you to God and saying, I need to respond in my life like you, God. Well, Tim, you aren't me, but, but I'm in there. It's going to look like you doing it, but it, don't forget, it's actually me. And so I got the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not a gift. It's what he brings, when he brings when he comes in. It's his. He has those. He's willing to share. Okay, so I'm always broken. Every day I wake up broken. Every day I go to sleep broken maybe a little less each day, but never completely good. Let me read to you Paul's words so you totally understand this point before, we, before I let you go. If I could, I'd read every bit of Romans 7 and 8, but I don't have that much time. But it, even then I would say, okay, Romans 7, 14 through 8, 14, but it's still too long. Romans 7, 18, For I know nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Have you ever read that verse before? Think about it. I know nothing good dwells in me, in my flesh, that is. For I have the desire to do what's right, but I don't don't have the will to carry it out. I can't do it. I can see, be joyful always pray pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. I can see that. I want to do that, God, but I don't have anything good in me that's actually going to pull it off. And then skip down to verse 24, chapter 7 verse 24 of Romans. Wretched man that I am, who is going to deliver me from this body of death? This is Paul, super apostle Paul that wrote most of the New Testament. That, that was probably the greatest missionary in the history of Christianity that's maybe closer to God than, than any of the other apostles, actually saw Jesus come down, talk to him. Sounds like God gave him a glimpse of the next life. Sounds like he gave him a thorn in the flesh. All these things, and yet he's struggling with his flesh? You've got to be kidding me. Yes. Because he recognizes he's still broken. And so he's asking this almost rhetorically, who's going to save me from this wretched life, this body of death? And he goes on to give you the answer. For those according, who live according to the flesh put their minds on the things of the flesh, in, in, in chapter 8, verse 5. But those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on spiritual things. And then down in, in eight chap, uh, verse 9. However, you, Christian, are not of the flesh, but you are of the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, and if anybody does not have the Spirit of Christ, you're not one of his If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead also dwells in you, then he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors no longer to the flesh, but to the spirit. If you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. If you live according to the spirit, the deeds of the body will die, and you will live. For all of you who are led by the spirit are sons of God. Paul's giving us the answer. If we want to accomplish those things which are nearly impossible, if not impossible, for us to do, rejoicing always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. There's only one way, even if you understand it, there's only one way to actually have it happen in your life, and that is to surrender yourself on a minute by minute basis to the Holy Spirit, surrender your flesh and say, God, continue to fix me. I can't do it myself. The good news is, he'll do it. The bad news is, we keep taking it back. So it's not something we can do one time. It's not something we can do even on a one one time a day, probably. The flesh rears its ugly head every time anything happens, and you have to fight against it by submitting it to God. And saying, God, your Holy Spirit's in there. You promised. Your Holy Spirit brought all these things. I want them. Okay, Tim, get out of the way and let me drive. And that's the way you're going to act. And so that's something we have to recognize. No matter how mature you think you are, you're still broken and you still need God's Holy Spirit to be transformed into the image of Christ on a daily basis. Thank God he's patient. Thank God he's never going to leave. Thank God he's seen all your sins, the ones you're going to commit tomorrow, before he saved you, and he saved you from them all. But what he wants for you today in this life is to experience the kind of peace and joy and satisfaction that comes with being transformed back into his image so that he can supply those things to you without your sin getting in the way. It's a long and arduous process. It's very difficult, but God gives us hope. And so what hope do we have that we're going to share? One, be reconciled to God. Two, be changed back into your original design so that you can get all the things you need, both in this life and the next. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful. Most of the time we don't understand how close we are or how bad we are close to being nothing. And yet, even then, even in the unfaithfulness in me that you saw before you saved me, you did it anyway. By grace through faith, you bring us out of the pit of self-destruction and eternal death to be put on the rock up above and our eternal destiny has been decided and you are here in this life to help us find you in a meaningful way so that we can have just a taste of what the next life is going to be like. So, oh, Father, we are so grateful for that because we, most of the time we do not cooperate and you don't give up. Oh, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the salvation that we enjoy. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your perseverance in our life. And Lord, help us to take that surrender to you daily and cooperate with your Holy Spirit so that we can get as far along that path as possible until you come again. In Jesus' name, amen.